Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors here at Connection Point, and welcome those joining us online. I'm so glad you're here today. Thanks for being here for Labor Day weekend. Thanks for those that helped with the 5K yesterday. It was a great day. It was a lot of fun to see all those people take off and run and, and get back, and uh, good things happening. Awesome for uh, those that were a part in sponsoring as well. Um, what, a, what an investment to be able to invest over $12,000 in that fight against uh, modern-day slavery. Thanks for that. Thanks for being a part of that. We're going to get into a message today on abundant living, but before we get into that message, I just felt like it'd be worthwhile for you to think a little bit about what your view is on abundant living. Like, what does that mean to you? If I were to ask you, what does it look like to live an abundant life, what would you say? So what I want you to do is look to your neighbor. If you don't know who they are, say, hi, my name is, and So have them define what abundant living is. Uh, So talk to your neighbor, ask them, what's abundant living mean for you? I want to get some answers this morning. Go ahead, take a minute. All right, well, hopefully, hopefully you got some answers, came up with some ideas. So what'd you come up with? What were some of the answers you found? What's abundant living mean to you? What do you think? What do you get? Living with God, somebody said that, okay. What else? Read the Bible, just say give more. Okay. Anything else? Abundant living. What's that mean? Noise. No worries. There's a song about that. Is that Mowgli that sings that? Or is that one of the nice? No worries. That's good. Abundant living. No worries. That's a good definition. Okay. Anything else? Love unconditionally, abundant living, love unconditionally. Uh, We had some answers in the first service of peace, you know, living a a peace-filled life. Yeah, what I want to do this morning is more than I want us to define abundant living, more than I want our culture to define abundant living, I want to look at what Jesus, our creator, the one who created us, what does he have to say about abundant living? Because if we allow him to define it, then we should be able to enter into the abundant life that he promises. So that's what I want to do as we continue our series in Luke. We're going to continue in Luke chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. Hey, I want you to have a Bible. Uh, We've got Bibles. If you're uh, new here today, don't bring a Bible with you. That's okay. We've got some underneath the chair in front of you or underneath you. And you're welcome to take a Bible today. Uh, We like to be in God's word. We want you in God's word. We're going to continue where we left off in Luke, in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. So I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word today. Thankful that God gave his word to us, so we highlight this differently than than what we share after we read his passage. So we're going to start in verse 13. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told him a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. 
Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So a couple of weeks ago, we left off in Luke chapter 12. And what Jesus is doing in this section of scripture is he's doing a lot more instruction for the disciples, the the followers of Jesus. He's trying to help them understand what it means to live. And he was asked the question, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says to love God and love others, to, to love God and love your neighbor. And so what Jesus has been doing here in chapter 12 is he's defining what it looks like to love God. I don't know about you, but I think I could come up with ways that I could love my neighbor. You can kind of process that. But when you think about how do I express my love toward God? Well, we have to allow God to define that. And so in the last message that we were in, we were in a message about living for God, which is about loving God. And what we found in that passage is the first thing you've got to do is you've got to live truthfully. Jesus was talking about Pharisees and scribes, and and what he was saying is, look, the way that you look on the outside, the way that people see you on the outside, it should be coming from the inside, that Jesus is concerned for matters of the heart. So that's one way you express love of God, that what's on the outside, it's coming from the inside. The other thing we find is Jesus talked about in that passage that we've got to fear God, and what he's talking about is that we love God by understanding that uh, his rule over us, that we, he has, a, uh, has authority over us, but also that he's concerned for us. So there's a twin theme there, that we fear or we have reverence for a loving God. That's the other way that we love God, that we understand his authority, but his concern for us. And the last thing we find is that we love God, we express love of God by following Jesus and sharing his good news. So these are all ways that we can express love of God. But now what happens in this passage is Jesus turns his attention because he's been asked a question in the crowd. So now he says, well, and here's how you love God with your resources. This is how you'd love God by uh, the way that you handle those things which God has given to you. And so he defines that. And he defines it in such a way to say, this is actually how you live abundantly. And so what we find as we get into that passage on abundance is understanding that uh, for the defining what he means is that we live abundantly with God by replacing mine with ours. That's where he starts. We live abundantly with God by replacing mine with ours. It's really interesting to me that Jesus talks more about resources and what we do with our resources than he does prayer. It's interesting to me. And what that tells me is, is that the way we handle our resources is a discipleship issue before it's a budgeting issue. That what we do with what God has given actually determines what kind of life we live and lead. And that's what Jesus explains in our passage. 
Where does he start? Well, he's in this group. He's giving conversation to the disciples on what it means to love God, to live for him. But then this person, this man, interjects and interrupts. He says, teacher, tell my brother to share with me. He's saying this as an adult. Sounds like a two-year-old, but he's saying it as an adult. That's what he's saying. It bothers me for a couple of different reasons. Number one, it bothers me because he's talking to Jesus. He's telling Jesus what to do. It's not, teacher, could you? It's, teacher, tell my brother to share with me. And that bothers me because people do that today. We approach Jesus and we tell him what to do. Jesus, get me a car. Jesus, I need a passing grade. Jesus, fill in the blank. I need a spouse. Whatever it might be, I just think we need to be careful in the way we approach Jesus. Instead of approaching Jesus with demands, we need to come to Jesus with a humble heart to say, Jesus, what do you need of me? What do you need of me? Let us be careful in the way we approach Jesus. So, so why does this younger brother, is what's happening here, a younger brother and an older brother, why does he do this? Why is he asking Jesus to do this? Why is he asking Jesus to mediate this, this issue? Well, so what happens in, in Judaism and the Jewish law was the, the oldest sibling would receive two-thirds of the family inheritance. One-third was left for all the other brothers. So it's not that this younger brother didn't get anything. He just didn't like what he received. He didn't think it was enough. He wanted more. And part of the reason this bothers Jesus is because this younger brother, he's more concerned with accumulating wealth than he is concerned for his relationship with his older brother. Jesus says, love God, love others. And this guy's not living that out. In fact, what he's actually asking is, Jesus, I want you to help me get more, which is actually going to sever my relationship with my brother more than it already is. Jesus is concerned about the relationships in our lives. He is. He's concerned about the relationships in your life, in my life. And there's a reason for that. Because as we get into this topic of abundant living, God knows if you've got broken and fractured relationships in your lives, it's hard to live a peace-filled life. It's hard to live holistically. God's heart is for you to be in good relationships with others. So what does Jesus do? He addresses this young man. First, he does so sharply. He says, man who made me a judge or arbitrator over you. That word man, it's not like beloved. Man, I mean, like he goes after it. But then I love how the tone switches. He says, take care. Be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. We have that artwork for this series of lion and lamb. And sometimes the, way, the reason Jesus goes after us like a lion is because he wants to expose himself as the lamb. That he's got to bust through an issue in our hearts so that he can say, what you're going after isn't going to be helpful. What you're going after isn't going to lead to abundant living. So be careful. Be careful what you're going after. And then Jesus shares this, this parable. He shares a parable of the rich man. Let's look at that parable. The wording there is really important. What's it say? The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself. Okay, that right there is a problem for first century crowd. Middle Eastern culture, everything, a decision like this that you're going to make, you don't make that yourself. You're going to talk to family and friends, people that, that you respect. They are included in this conversation. What should I do with this great crop that I've received? So the fact that he says he thought to himself, what that means is his wealth had actually separated him from relationship with others. 
Again, this, this is a problem for Jesus. So this person is actually very lonely in their relationships. It separated them. That's not, that's not great. Well, he says, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store whose crops? My crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. So Jesus is pointing out, look, there's a value of having rich relationships in your life. And if you're just going after the accumulation of wealth in this life, it's actually going to cause breakdown in the relationships, both with others and with God. Because then you start to become your own God. So you've got to be careful in the way that you steward what you've been given. Because what does he tell that rich man? As you continue to look at the passage, he says, And I will say to my soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool! This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. New Living Translation, what does it say? This, this same verse. It says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. What are you going after in life? What you go after in, in life, what we're going to find in the second point is it's going to determine whether you live an anxious life or an abundant life. And what does God want to do? He wants to lead you in abundant living. For you to live abundantly with God, what do we have to do? We've got to replace mine with ours. We've got to replace that mine with ours. That's what we've got to do. And as you do that, then you can start to live with God at the center of your life, which leads us to our second point from this passage is that as we live for God, we can live abundantly with God by letting him be our concern, by putting God at the center. That's where we've got to go. For us to live abundantly, Jesus has to be at the center. If you were in our soak night on Wednesday, uh, we were singing about that. Jesus at the center, it's an important thing. He's got to be our concern. Because what does Jesus say? After he finishes up that parable, he turns to the disciples, turns to his followers and says, look, don't be anxious in this life. Don't be anxious about the food you're going to eat, the clothes you're going to wear. Don't be anxious about these things. You're not meant to live an anxious life. You're meant to live an abundant life. Uh, Andrew, uh, Pastor Andrew, our creative arts director, and, and I were out uh, filming a couple of weeks ago for Vision Sunday, which is September 16th here in a couple of weeks. And while we were out, I found a rock. It was painted. And so it made me curious. So I, I picked up the rock and it said, now is all we have. I thought, well, that doesn't summarize the way some people live. <laughs> that's really interesting. And I felt like that's really important as we look at this passage. If your view on life is now that all that you have, it will determine the way that you live your life. And what's going to happen is you're going to invest everything in this life with no concern for tomorrow or eternity, which is really what we're going to get after. And so then if you're not concerned about eternity and you're only concerned about this life, guess what that's going to lead to? Anxiousness. It leads to anxiousness because guess what? You're wondering, am I going to have food on the table? You're, you're wondering, am I going to have clothes on my back? Am I going to have a job to, to pay for this home I want to live in? an anxious life or abundant life. Now is not all we have. We're living for so much more than now. In fact, if you're a follower in Jesus, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. If you have made the decision to follow Jesus, this life is as close to hell as you ever get. You ever thought about that? Of course, the flip of that is, if you're not following Jesus, this life is as close to heaven as you ever get. So if you're living anxiously today, could it be because you're consumed with just living for this life? You're not living for the life to come? 
Abundant living is living with eternity in mind. Anxious living is living where you think that now is all that there is. You want to know what I did with that rock? I threw it away. (laughs) That message does not need to go out, so we threw that away. I should make a rock that says, you are eternal. Everyone in this room is eternal. And you need to live life with that kind of mindset. We're eternal beings. The decisions we make today will affect us for eternity. And we should live like that. We've got to live with that kind of view in mind. We're not just living for now. So what does Jesus say? He says, instead... Instead of worrying about food, instead of worrying about clothing, instead of worrying about the job that you have, instead of worrying about where you live, instead of worrying about where your children go to school, instead, live for the kingdom. Everything else will work out. Live for the kingdom. Everything else will work itself out. But as I was working through this passage, I was thinking about, you know, every week you fill out on your Connect cards, prayer points, things to pray about. And, and sometimes on that list is, man, our family, we're just, we're struggling with how we're paying the bills month to month. We're, I'm needing something to, to change in my job situation. And we're going to continue to pray over those needs, absolutely. But what the Lord was bringing to my heart and thinking and processing through that, because I'm praying with those who have struggled, I'm praying with those who are currently struggling, just the thought came to mind that there are times in life that God does bring us to a place, almost of what we would consider crisis, And we might be in that moment, and part of what God might be doing there is to say, when you have nothing else, guess what you still have? You still have me. And what God wants to know, and is that enough? Is that enough? Sometimes God brings us to the end of ourselves so that we can thereby see, even at the end of myself, God is there. And if he's the only thing there, he's enough. So I don't know where you find yourself this morning, but my heart for you today is if you're in a place of crisis, if you're walking through a place where you just feel like, man, I don't know that, that God's really going to come through. Can I encourage you this morning? He will come through. He is the God of the impossible. So wherever you find yourself today, know that, seek his kingdom, things will work out. Hold on to that promise today. God is there. I was thinking about our, uh, we'd been in Sudan for a couple of months I was out for a morning run and, and running through dirty brown streets and running past brown homes because that was like the only paint color they had, I guess. Uh, it was one, the, the air was brown. Everything's brown. And I just kind of felt like, man, God, this is, this is not a beautiful place. And so, of course, God, in, in his way that he wants to help us, I basically said, God, there's no beauty here. And God says, what about me? Thanks, God. <laughs> God created and said it was good. You know, it says beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I think sometimes we're just, we're looking at the wrong things when we should be looking to God in all things. So wherever you find yourself today, maybe you're not even worried about, you know, you've got provision, but you're worried about your future. You're worried about how your kids are going to turn out. You're worried about the world that we live in. Can I encourage you today? Don't live an anxious life. Live an abundant one. Don't just think about today, but think about tomorrow. Think about eternity. Keep your eyes on Jesus and begin to pray to the God of the impossible to say, God, I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to trust your promise and believe that it is true. And can I tell you this morning, it is true. God has met us there over and over and over again. Uh, And I know it in the lives of so many others. How do we live abundantly with God? We live abundantly with God by replacing mine with ours. We live abundantly with God as we make him our concern. But we also live abundantly with God by giving generously. We, we live abundantly with God as by living generously. 
what does Jesus say as he continues in the passage? He says, fear not, little flock. So after he says, seek first my kingdom. And as we seek his kingdom, fear not, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. As we seek his kingdom, we don't need to fear. One of the things that I've learned if, as, as we, if we want to not live an anxious life, but an abundant one, the way that we can release anxiousness and worry in our lives is by giving our lives away. And that looks like a lot of different things. We, we give our lives away in lots of different ways. We do that with time, with talent, and with our financial resources. If you're living a hurried life, you want to know how you can slow down and start to live an abundant life? You start giving of your time. You start serving others. If you're living a life that you feel like, man, I'm just, I'm struggling with, with pride or other issues in my life, start to give your talent away and watch as God fills you with more of himself and humility. You're, you're struggling with living an anxious life as you give of your resources for the advancement of God's kingdom. You release God's, uh, you, you release the hold of money on your life. That's how it happens. How do you break greed and anxiousness and worry? You give your life away. That's the answer. And this, as we look at this passage, it says, give your possessions away and give to the needy. This isn't a passage that's saying possessions are a bad thing. It's not. But what it's saying is whether you have much or you have little, is God still at the center? Is he still there? Paul writes about this in, a, in the book called Philippians. He's writing the Philippian church. And here's what he says. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. A lot of us, if you've been in the church, you know Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through God who gives me strength, but we don't know the preceding verses, that what Paul is saying is, it really doesn't matter what I have in this life. What matters is, is that I have God, and if I have God, I have everything. If I have God, I have everything, and if I have God, I don't need to be anxious. The way that you remove anxiousness from your life is you don't live a tight-fisted life, you live an open-handed life. Instead of saying, God, this is mine, you say, God, everything is yours, and what happens with it doesn't matter because at the end, I'm always going to have you. In fact, part of this, as I mentioned, this is a discipleship issue. The last verse in our passage, what's the last verse say? It says that how we direct our treasure will direct our heart. It says in Luke 12, 34, what we read, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Order matters. So undergraduate degree in math, order matters. It doesn't say that where your heart is, that's where you're going to invest. It says, no, where you're investing, that's where your heart's going to follow after. So this is a good test for you. If you're living an anxious and worried life, it's likely you're investing in treasures of this life and you're not investing in enough of tomorrow, of eternity. If you're investing in this life, it leads to anxiousness. If you're investing in the things for the sake of God's kingdom, it leads to abundant living. Where your treasure is, your heart will follow. This is why Jesus talks so much about this, because he knows that where you direct your resources will determine the condition of your heart, and Jesus is concerned about your heart. He is. He wants you living in light of eternity. So where do you find yourselves today? Are you stewarding things in such a way that leads to anxiousness, or are you stewarding things in such a way that it leads to you having abundance in your heart, a peace-filled life, a joyful life, one that has hope for the future? Jesus wants your heart to be happy, and he's laying out for us how that happens. Uh, so in a couple of weeks, I mentioned Vision Sunday, September 16th. As we get to Vision Sunday, what, what we love about that day is we look back to see this is how God has led us in the last year. These are the things that we were able to accomplish together for the sake of God's kingdom. 
And then we look to the year ahead. And this is where we're seeing God leading this year and when we invite you to be a part. So I want you to consider that as, you, as we wrap up this message, I want you to be thinking, well, God, how can I live an abundant life instead of an anxious one? As you are given an invitation, I just encourage you, invest in ways that advances the kingdom of God. We can live abundant lives with God. That's the promise. We can live abundant lives with God. So there's this uh, Jewish saying. It says that the rich man is like the man who's thirsty and he drinks salt water, which of course makes him more thirsty. So he continues to drink salt water until he dies. In other words, his thirst is never satisfied. And that was really the problem for the rich man. The rich man in the parable, he was looking for satisfaction and everything this life could bring. And what God was saying, what Jesus is saying in the parable, he says, satisfaction is not going to be found there. Satisfaction is in living for God. The psalmist, he says it so well. Here's what the psalmist writes. He says, as the deer pants or longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. So where are you looking for satisfaction? If you're looking for it in this life, it'll lead to anxious living. If you're looking for satisfaction in God, it'll lead to abundant living. And Jesus means to leave you in abundant living today. So may you live that out. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And as you're standing, I just want you to consider where you're at today. Are you following Jesus and following him in abundant living? If not, could you step and live that out today? So maybe you're here today and part of the reason you're anxious or worried is because you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe your pattern has been you go to God with demands, but you've never surrendered to him. So the first step in finding abundant living is to say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. And you have that opportunity today. So with every head bowed in this room, I just want to ask you that today. If that's where you find yourself to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to surrender my life to him and experience the abundant life that he promises. If that's you today, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you before we leave. Anybody today that say, that's me. Here in the front, anybody else that would say, that's me. I want to experience abundant living. Here in the, in the middle, anybody else that say, that's me. I want to experience abundant living today. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Up in the balcony, anybody else that would say, that's me. I want to live for you, God. Jesus, I just pray for those that raise their hand. I pray, Lord, that they would receive you today in a mighty way, God. May they experience the abundance that only you can bring. Lord, I just pray that you would remove anxiousness and worry as they truly surrender their lives to you, that they might live for you for a lifetime. God, I just pray that they would journey with you, not just today, not just in this moment, but for a lifetime, that they might experience abundant living from today all the way through until they get to see you face to face. Just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you've made a decision to follow Jesus, but, but you're anxious today. And Jesus was talking to his disciples. So it's not that he's just talking to those that don't know him. He's talking to those that do and trying to give them some instruction on, on what it means to live abundantly. So I just want to pray for you this morning. So if you're here today and say, you know what, I'm, if I'm honest, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm fearful, but I don't want to leave this room that way. And so I just want to pray with you before we leave to say, God, <laughs> fill them with your peace today. So if that's where you find yourself with every head bowed today, if you'd say, I'm living anxiously and I don't want to anymore, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you before we go. And then we're going to close in song. Anybody say, that's me. Over here on the left, anybody else? I'm just anxious today. Here in the middle, anybody else? I'm worried. I'm fearful. Over here on the right, anybody else? God, I just pray for each and every one who raised their hand. God, many in this room, 
that are living anxious and they don't want to anymore. So God, I just pray that you remove anxiousness in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you'd remove worry in Jesus' name. Remove fear in Jesus' name. God, we pray for your peace to flood their soul right now, God. We pray for hope and joy to fill their hearts. God, I pray they'd have hope for tomorrow, joy for today, peace that fills their hearts and their homes. God, we pray your wholeness over their lives. We just ask for peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Mark's going to be here in the front. There was a couple of people that raised their hands to say, I want to follow Jesus for a lifetime. I want to devote my life to him. And we don't want to leave you with just that decision. We want to give you a Bible and information on here's where you go from here. Journeying with Jesus is, is meant to be for a lifetime, and we come alongside you in that. So if that was you today, as we sing, I just invite you to come down, talk with Pastor Mark. Some prayer team members will come, uh, and they just want to pray with you and encourage you before you leave today. But let's sing.